0: I'm Jeff Phelps. My partner's Andy Baskin. Jake Volnick is taking your phone calls at 216-474-0092. Good morning, Jake. All good with you? All's good with me. Good morning, gentlemen. All right. Good, good. We want everybody to arrive at work safely, and Jake did. So so that's a really good thing. Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl. and Andy, I think a lot of folks before the season started could have picked those two teams as the teams that get to the Super Bowl. Easy to pick much more difficult to actually come through and make it happen. But they're clearly two of the better teams in the National Football League. You could make the argument that they're the best teams in their conference. They won their conference. That's not always indicative of being the best team. In this case, I think it probably is. And here you go. The one thing, there's similarities here that I think that other teams in the NFL can look at, and I mean our team as well, can look at, should look at. Number one, Kansas City's defense is much improved. And the Niners have a good defense. So that's you know, that's taken care of. They they have that. However, the one thing that stands out to me about both teams is they're pretty pretty dynamic on offense and don't hesitate to continue adding skill position talent, playmakers to their offense. And they've done it for years. And I I think that's one thing that our team in particular should emulate. Keep adding playmakers to your team. And look at Kansas City, look at the Niners. They have a lot of guys who can beat you on offense.
1: Well, you know, the trade for uh Christian McCaffrey obviously made a huge difference, I think, for San Francisco, just giving them the running option. But when you're right, I mean you look at what they have, Ayuk Samuel Jennings at wide receiver, and it's hard not to look at that. And by the way, you know, Medina's own, Kyle Yuschek, it does a nice job as a fullback where they're able to. Highly paid fullback. They yeah, thought it was a priority position and they brought him in. At where we don't even, I mean, our fullback is a um, backup offensive lineman when we want to run one, but we just don't do that because that's not who we are. And Kyle likes that. I, I like that style too. Um, I think that you can give your running back a little bit more of an edge when you've got another guy who's up to 35, 40 miles an hour hitting a guy in front of him to allow your running back to then follow his lead beyond, you know, a tackle or a guard mm-hmm. or even center. So, but you're right, the explosiveness of that San Francisco uh, offense has been amazing. I mean, you just go back and you look at how many times – that. I mean, they put 30 up a week, you know. They put 30 points up a week, and – You know, I was when I think about San Francisco and then I was thinking about it with the Ravens too when the Browns beat them is how what happened that the Browns were able to beat, you know, San Francisco. And, you know, San Francisco was dealing some with some injuries. McCaffrey got hurt in that game against the Browns. Then they went down. And I I think the thing that I learned the most, I think, from San Francisco is patience. Remember they started the season and we were like, Oh man, San Francisco is the team to beat. There's no question about it. Then the Browns yeah, beat them. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Then the Vikings beat them, and then the Bengals beat them. And I was like, wow, what's going on here? This team was amazing to start the season. And I don't know if it's a, the injuries or the humility or the, the realization of that long 17-week season, but that three-game losing streak gave me more confidence in the Browns than it did faith in the Niners. And then as the season went on, I'm like, no, man. Niners are real. Yep. They're totally real. Yep. And even though they had that bump in the road in the middle of the season, they proved that they were exactly who we thought they were. So
0: right, let, let me bounce a couple of things off you with, with San Francisco. You had Brock Purdy, who who you liked, you know, after, after what he did last year. And they brought in a veteran backup who was still young with upside who has started in the league in Sam Darnold. So – they they took that approach. The Browns, you know, ended up bringing in Flacco, but the Browns went with a, a guy who was a fifth round pick rookie, at running back. As you mentioned, they they bring in Christian McCaffrey. Well, the Browns had that, a different type of guy. But in Nick Chubb, I mean, you had your you had your great running back, and then that didn't work. You you have Ford, and you made a little a trade for Pierre Strong. Well, they have Elijah Mitchell, who was really doing well, and and his really flourished in that offense when given the opportunity, but they brought McCaffrey in. And, and they even went out and drafted uh, Tyrion Davis-Price, who can't get on the field for them. Uh, they cut him. He was on the practice squad, but he's still around. He had check at tight end, Andy's or excuse me, at, at fullback. And then you have a guy who, if at the very least, uh, is as good. I, I personally think he's one of the better tight ends in, in the NFL – in George Kittle, and you know the Browns have Najoku, who had his best year this year, and we're going to talk about Browns tight ends later. At wide receiver, Ayuk, you add him. You had Debo. You went for two kind of alpha dog wide receivers. Browns have one. I think you got to you got to go get that alpha dog wide receiver to go along with Amari Cooper. I mean, teams and the Niners are, or the the Chiefs are an exception right now because Tyreek Hill's not there anymore, and they're still looking for wide receivers. But there's just an abundance of skill position guys there, and I, I think that that's so the way to go that it's – I mean, it, it's so obvious to me, and, and it has been for some time. And then you look at Kansas City, you, you've got Mahomes, so you know, you've know you got the phenomenal quarterback. You're going to have a chance every year. And this year, Andy, they had the chance without the terrific, I, I think – Without the terrific wide receivers, but they killed him with numbers. You know, Rasheed Rice. You draft him, you bring him in. You brought in Valdez Cantling, who's not lived up to what they thought, but he's he still made a couple of plays here and there. Um, they brought back Hardman, who's not done a whole lot. Uh, Kelsey's the premier tight end in the NFL, and you, you have two running backs that you use with Pacheco and uh, Pacheco and edwards alaire Jarek McKinnon, when he was healthy. I mean, you had weapons in that offense. And that that's why I've always pushed the idea of the Browns just adding more talent and more talent and more talent to that offense. Are you confident in Jerome Ford and Pierre Strong? I i don't know, but the Chiefs went out and they made sure they had three running backs that they could put out there and, and really play. Mm-hmm. McKinnon's been hurt, but, that, but they had three. And they keep bringing in wide receivers. Niners... Add talent. They brought in Chris Conley, a wide receiver, good depth piece. It it just it's a to me, NFL teams need to emulate that, and they both have good quarterbacks. You know, Brock Purdy's a, an interesting an interesting thing. Um, Shanahan told a story uh, during his media session, and think about what we've heard about. Ownership here and Johnny Manziel, when you know, and the, the homeless guy and all that stuff. And then who who brought in Sean Watson? You would think that had to be ownership because you know, a general manager just doesn't make a move like that on his own without getting
1: approval from, well, from ownership. You also have to believe that Paul DePodesta Podesta had something to do well, with it. Well, sure. That, right? I mean, he sure. had to say, Yes, this is worth the.
0: Well, and I would think Andrew Barry did as well, but the Haslam certainly had to sign off on of that. I, I wouldn't. I just I wouldn't to, expect them not to. But you
1: could see someone in that in that management group saying, "I don't know, maybe we shouldn't be doing this." Or not be all in, or on, or yeah. someone was the emperor with no clothes on with that. If and, if it doesn't work out.
0: Except except for this. Ownership has to sign off on that. Yeah, because you of know,
1: the yeah. and and maybe even say, "Let's go do this." I could see, well, like, if you were just trading out the draft picks, that maybe that would be all on the general manager. But when you got into the financial part of it, it has to be on the ownership. Sure, yeah. without without question. And, and Andy giving
0: up the draft capital too. You know, yeah. Owners, I could ownership see- has to. Ownership has to sign off on it. Well, ownership did something interesting with San Francisco, according to the story that Shanahan told. And this was, I thought, this was fascinating. And our buddy Mike Florio wrote a great story about it. And Dr. York, one of the, John York, mm-hmm. one of the owners of the 49ers, mm-hmm. family member and all that stuff, uh, is in the draft room. Well, if I'm a, if I'm an owner of an NFL team, I'm in the draft room. I want to see it. Yeah, you know? I'm paying that, for the be, food in that room. That, I want exactly. to be in that room. I, I, you know, I, I brought you in French dips. I want one. I'm going to be in the room.
1: Wow. I'm going to get the French dip. I don't know that I've ever seen French dip. In a draft. you get room. a little sloppy on the sheets, though, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean. Because yeah, you dip yeah, it I'm, in the ajout. Yeah, that's not a good uh, Anyhow,
0: deal. whatever he bought, he wanted some of it. So he's sitting in there. And Shanahan uh, told Peter King in Football Morning in America, and uh, Florio wrote more about it, that Dr. York is in there, and the, the last pick in the draft is coming up. And the owner of the Niners looks at Shanahan and says, well, who's the best player out there? And Shanahan said, well, there's no doubt that Purdy is the best player. And the owner said, then, well, what are we talking about? And looked at him, kind of shrugged. And Shanahan said, I told him, well, there are other spots. We also might be able to get him as a free agent for 10 grand after the draft. And he said, Dr. York looked at him like, and then it's you know, italicized. I don't get why there's a discussion if you guys think he's the best player.
1: And Shanahan said, right, I like he wasn't questioning the scouting method here. No, he was, he questioning, was questioning. What are you thinking?
0: You told me he's the best player and you're thinking about going for something else. And Shanahan said, he said, it gets closer. He said, I'm also getting the feeling we're not getting Purdy as a free agent because so many other teams are going to try and sign him that I didn't think he was coming to us. And he said, we, he told, he told the owner, well, we have other positions of need. And the owner looked at him like, uh, duh. You said he's the best player. And Shanahan decided, you know what, let's not risk it. Let's just take it. Yeah, I'm I mean, about a seventh-round pick. And know? Shanahan gave the owner, who's not a football guy, you know? I mean, you own a football team. It doesn't mean you're a football guy. Like, I'm sorry, Jerry Jones, you're not a football guy. You're an oil gazillionaire who's trained himself to be a football guy and has a staff and everything else. But but you know what I mean. But the owner is a business guy and a smart guy. Right. And gave him business clarity. It's like, um, excuse me, it's the last pick in the draft, and you think he's the best player on the board, and you're thinking about going for a position of need with the last player in the draft? Come on, man. And that's where an owner can give you a little guidance. And I, I thought it was a really I thought it was a really goes, interesting
1: story. That goes back to every year when we talk about the draft. Are you drafting for need or for talent? That's every pick in the draft, isn't it?
0: Not necessarily. Well, I think it is. is.
1: That, that's the decision you have to make every time you call someone's name.
0: I, I think you draft for talent, myself, because you, when you draft for position of need, you can lose out in a big way. Niners, Chiefs, one thing they have in common, well, two things, I think. Good defenses, and man, they're not afraid about skill, position, talent to keep adding it to the team. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but... They're sitting there, and they're playing for the Super Bowl title coming up on Sunday, talking about the Chiefs and the 49ers here in the Super Bowl. Now, one thing about this, I I, I like the fact that they both have defenses that have shown up. You know, the Chiefs' defense is better than it was. There's no question about that. And that's terrific. Okay, You, you build a defense that's working. You have quarterbacks. They got them in
1: different ways. We'll touch on that in a second. Yeah, I've I've got a a Brock Purdy question that I want to talk to you about. Hey, win a four-pack of tickets to Monster Jam 2024 at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, February 16th through the 18th. Enter the word ACTION. A-C-T-I-O-N. ACTION. Enter that word. What By the end of our show. ACTION. ACTION. By the end of our show at 923thefan.com to get registered to win Monster Jam 2024. Rocket mortgage fee loss, February 16th through the 18th. The word is action. Go to 923thefan.com to get registered to win. You have a Brock Purdy question.
0: Let me make a Brock Purdy statement here. Okay, you make the statement, then
1: I've got a statement and a question. Clearly,
0: the uh, the Chiefs have you know the quarterback. People are now talking about Patrick Mahomes maybe as the greatest quarterback of all time. How they're doing that, I don't know. I keep seeing all those rings that Brady has that he can't put on one hand. And I think Patrick Mahomes is terrific. But the Chiefs made a significant investment to get him. And John Dorsey, thank you for getting that one right. We appreciate that for the Chiefs. Um, They drafted Patrick Mahomes. Andy's giggling because he knows what I'm meaning. Um, They they got Patrick Mahomes. They're set at quarterback for 15 years. The Niners lucked into Brock Purdy. Let's let's be honest about that. You get you get your guy who's your starting quarterback and has a chance to be your franchise quarterback with the last pick in the draft. Congratulations to you. That means everybody passed him over 6 times and most teams 7 or something like that. But they took some real Shots at getting their quarterback, they weren't shy about that. I'll so let me ask you: Is that second. the
1: same theory then for Tom Brady and the Patriots? They got lucky to get Tom Brady. Yeah, they did. Okay, I just want to make sure. Well, they certainly did, don't you think? Yeah, I hundred percent agree I mean, with you, that. And you, then I you also you don't get wonder, a guy in
0: the sixth round and say we're geniuses because it, it's this. Well, everybody had a chance to draft him. If you were so smart, you should have drafted him in the third round
1: before somebody else did. Okay, so here's my theory, and this is kind of just being kind of old. I'm tired of and if when the Browns fall in love, Andy. I feel like you're it. mature and wise. Okay. So at, at some point the the Browns will move on from Deshaun Watson. We all know that's that it's it's just inevitable in football, right? I, I, I'm tired of falling in love with quarterback De before the draft. I'm just I'm tired of it because I I mean just think about this stat going into the game, right? In this game, the cost of a luxury suite to watch the game in person is two point five million. Brock Purdy is making eight hundred seventy thousand this season and was the last pick. They are going to have to same so eventually. I just but... think I know, but I, I'm just saying where they are at this point. Okay, and, and look, I'm uh, can understand where Kansas City is with Patrick Mahomes now because and he's paying, proved it, paying him a lot of money. I, I just think that. We're just so overhyped sometimes on the quarterbacks coming out of college that we're paying guys before we we know they're ready. You know what I'm saying? Like, one, I, I think there's a recipe to success, and not buying into the hype before they're actually on the field, I think is, I, I just, Brock Purdy proves that to me. Tom Brady proved that to me. Yeah, there are good college quarterbacks. And I'm saying, so what if you grab them in the second round? Because I think sometimes you you take some of the pressure off if you don't take them with your first pick or don't take them with the first overall pick. We, we've seen the advantages of maybe drafting alignment in the top five picks in the draft. I just man, we just go so overboard with quarterback, and I know well, you don't have you have it you don't, to have one. Yeah, but but you don't I have don't have one. You're not
0: going anywhere. But
1: the, okay, so San Francisco has one. But, but they, they got didn't they have, got lucky. Well they, they you know got what? lucky that he's the guy but but listen I think here. you get lucky when you pick a guy now look at the look at the Baker Mayfield draft right You get lucky and sometimes it's not the number 1 pick overall Now Baker's kind of worked his way back you into mean, things You mean Buffalo got lucky yeah, Buffalo got lucky then I in that have, case. I would agree because with that. the Browns decided to not and pick. the Jets decided not to take him. So I, I, I think luck is all a part of all of this, and it's just well, without question. I, but I'm just I'm like I'm tired of the next time that we have to go through this of just absolutely falling in love, saying, what? "Oh, we got to take this guy, we got to take, stop. I think we can get a quarterback if, if sometimes goes, later in the draft.
0: If all goes well, we won't be doing this job the next time the Browns need a quarterback. I hope you're right. I do, too. I hope you're right. I do, too. I hope he's but here for I just a decade that, because like, we won't be. It is just
1: <laughs> – it's overhype. Okay, but but now let's – There's really only one okay, time in my life that I've, I've looked at and said, look, we've given this guy a ton of props before they've ever stepped uh, into the field of competition and, and has really lived up to it, LeBron. I mean, if you think about it, he's the ultimate athlete okay. to be able to live up to expectation and hype and all that stuff. No, I'm, but I'm saying when it comes to a quarterback, it's the same thing. Yeah, but the, but teams have to go get one. Yeah, I understand That's the, if that.
0: If you don't have one, and, and here's where the 49ers got lucky. They, they, you know, Shanahan brought in Jimmy Garoppolo, right? You have Jimmy G as your quarterback. And Nick Mullins was there. You think Garoppolo's the guy. Then you don't think Garoppolo's the guy. And what do you do? You trade a boatload to go get Trey Lance because you think he's your guy. And that doesn't work for them. But you better
1: have the guts to be able to walk away from those guys did. if you know what's on. But, that's
0: the point. But you know why they walked away from him? Because they found a better option. Yes. And see, that's that's the thing. They they get these guys on the field and they look at Trey Lance and they look at Sam Darnold and they look at Brock Purdy and they think Lance is our third best guy. And we can't wait to develop him. We think we have a team to win now. So as it turns out, they the Chiefs and Niners both have their quarterback but one is at one end of the spectrum where he's making an absolute boatload of money and was a high draft choice, and they traded up to get him. And the other guy, they got so lucky it's unbelievable. It's the last guy in the draft, and he's making no money for a quarterback. That allows the Niners to do other things, but the Chiefs are able to do things regardless because they draft well, they sign well, and it's a destination for guys who want to come and play with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, hopefully, moving forward, especially. It's just, it's fascinating to see, though they did it in different ways, I think the the teams are are interestingly similar because of the skill positions that they keep throwing at their quarterback. You know, you bring in Christian McCaffrey. Who goes out and trades for a, a boatload for a running back? Well, in the Shanahan system, you do. Why? And they use him like crazy. And as good as he was in Carolina, he's even better in San Francisco because Shanahan knows how to make that work. They use Debo Samuel in such a creative way. Brandon Ayuk comes in, they already have Debo, and, and he adds to it. That, that's what I so want to see the Browns do, Andy, is be able to say, look, at, we have Amari Cooper. Oh, but wait a minute, we also have this guy. Oh, that's great. Now the Chiefs aren't quite there right now. You know, they had Tyreek, and when they let Tyreek go, they've been searching. Mahomes has been able to use Travis Kelsey. If they didn't have Travis, it doesn't set up, you know, the wide receivers as well. And Rice has really come on late. I would I would be stunned if Kansas City doesn't draft a wide receiver really high, or better yet, trade for or sign a free agent wide receiver this offseason, a big time guy to be they're number one or 1A with Rushy Rice. But if I'm another team and I'm looking, I'm just seeing the weapons that they've put around a quarterback. One guy who's you know obviously established in Mahomes and another who's establishing himself in a really nice way in, the, in Brock Purdy. Roman's in Canton. Hi, Roman. Welcome to the show.
2: What's up, fellas? How we doing? Great. Hey. Good, good. I just wanted to uh, pose a question for you, and I'll let you go. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on what the Bears – do in April would you trade for Justin Fields maybe send DTR maybe a player some money or something for Justin Fields to be your your backup for Deshaun in case something were to happen
1: I think you'd have to give up more than DTR to get him oh you'd have to to give up a yeah Yeah, you'd have to give up a lot more well he's he's
0: nobody's backup Roman He's going to be a starter somewhere in the league next year.
1: I would do it. If he willing to trade for us, I just don't think that the Bears would do that. I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I just don't think yep. that. I, I do. Could,
0: I think I think it's unrealistic. To
1: bring him in as a backup?
0: Yeah, he's not going to be anybody's backup
1: quarterback next year. He's going to be somebody's starting quarterback but you, if, next listen, year. Listen, just, let's just uh, go Roman with the assumption that Roman's going with there. If you could bring him in as a backup, you would, right? Yeah, if I and could it, bring Travis okay. Kelsey
0: in to play tight end along with David Njoku, I would too. Well, you're, you're frustrated, but let's be realistic. No, Justin Fields isn't going
1: to be anybody's backup quarterback. I agree with that. I, I'm not going to disagree with that, but the premise of the it. The only place he could be a backup is perhaps Chicago. Well, then why would he want to be a backup there? I would hold off and does say have, trade me. he doesn't
0: have a chance. He, he's off. under contract. Trade me. Well, he, he can't make a trade. Don't go to camp. Don't go to work. Okay, great. Well, if he's going to be a backup anywhere, it would be in Chicago. Otherwise, he's no better. He's nobody's backup. I think he's talented. I, I do too. But I'm just saying. You know where I, you don't want to see him end up, don't you? Pittsburgh. Thank you very much.
1: A yeah. team with one logo on one side of their helmet. Yeah, I didn't even need your clue. Look I know. That. I know. Impressive. We're starting to think. We're, now we. We're, oh my god! god don't together. say that, please. That's true. Hey, what's Deshaun Kaiser doing today? Somebody get a bib for Andy. You think he wants to go to lunch?
0: We're talking tight ends. Next on Baskin and Phelps, Brown's positional breakdown. Welcome back to Baskin and Phelps. Coming up in 18 minutes, we're going to make Jeff Thomas do it. At noon, Sam Amico from HoopsWire.com. Cavs in Washington tonight. Cavs and every other NBA team on the clock. Trade deadline coming up tomorrow. Sam's thoughts on all that. And our buddy Chris Rose from the NFL Network. They're a little busy. Chris is coming up at 1 o'clock. But he's
1: making time for us. Despite the busyness. I know. Yeah, I like but he that. gets to sit back and watch the Super Bowl this year. He's That's, very excited about isn't that it. that great? Yeah. That'll be nice. I'm pumped for him.
0: Uh, for the last all week and last week, too. We started the last Thursday. Our Browns positional breakdowns. And we're looking at a position today. Since there are so few tight ends on the team, we lumped them together with a specialist. So get ready for a two-part Woo-hoo! right now. Browns positional breakdown. Yep, now we can officially start it. So the, the tight end spot Andy to me was something that we didn't discuss enough this year because it was different than it's been in the past under Kevin Stefanski. You know we know how much Kevin liked the tight end when he was in Minnesota and came here and you know they used three tight ends a lot and they they really loved that position and the use of the tight end on the football field. And I I have no issue with that. I think it's a, a great A great weapon for a team to have. But the Browns were a little different with their tight ends this year. First of all, here's where they sit right now. You've got two and a half guys under contract. And I say a half because you got a guy on the reserve future contract. And Harrison Bryant is a free agent. So keep that in mind. But in the past where you had uh, Hooper and Njoku and Bryant and everything else, this year you had David Njoku. And then you had two guys who didn't do a whole lot in the passing game, which was kind of strange. Uh, let's start with Najoku. First of all, he's under contract for two more years. Okay. So you're, you're good there. He has the ninth highest average salary on the Cleveland Browns. He's getting paid, and they got their money's worth this year. He had 81 catches, 882 yards, six touchdowns, 123 targets. Those are all career highs. All. Career highs in catches, targets, yards, touchdowns. Seven seasons in the NFL now, which seems hard to believe, doesn't it? It does seem hard to believe. David, but he came
1: in so young, he was barely 19. He was tw- yeah, he was like 20 40. years
0: old when he got here. 19 when he was drafted. He, yeah. Andy, I think he's established himself as top third tight end in the NFL. I'm not going to go upper echelon. I think he can get there. He's so athletic. I, I really like David, and I think he's really good. And I think there's even more to come. I do find it interesting that they fired their tight ends coach. You move on, okay. But David just had his best season, and he got rid of the tight ends coach.
1: So seven of your top ten receivers are tight ends. Ninjoku was two behind Amari Cooper and had only five less targets. In fact, David Njoku had more receptions than Amari Cooper, 81-72. to And when you break it down, the tight ends saw the ball... In the air more than the running backs. In fact, the only running back that was in the top ten this year was Kareem Hunt, and he was ninth among receivers for the Browns. So I don't know necessarily that Kevin Safansky's overall big picture on the tight ends uh, and their role in the offense has has changed. You know, the other part but, about but Njoku, it, it's no
0: longer a splitting or throwing three tight ends out there at you all the correct. time. Correct. Yeah, we're not seeing you focused three tight ends on sometimes. one this year.
1: Yeah, I'll buy that. Um, they, you know, tight ends are extremely important to him. Um, I, I, I love the way they used Njoku this season. You know, even he had a little bit of the yips this year for a little bit of the season, but he was able to bounce back. And I love when, if he drops a pass, they go right back to him because that's how much they believe in him. Cause I think he needs that for his confidence. His numbers were outstanding this year. Um, you know, six touchdowns among uh, the best among receivers for the Browns, uh, as far as catching touchdowns. So uh, again, that tight end position is extremely important to him. And, you know, I, I just well, I wonder how much of the quarterback situation makes a difference. Does Deshaun Watson need tight ends? It may be as much as some of the other quarterbacks did, especially if you're a guy like DTR that needs a quick outlet pass because you just don't see the field the same way that Deshaun Watson would. Those tight ends always seem to be a great release for quarterbacks. Well,
0: this screams to me that there's something coming at tight end. Uh, they're paying David a lot of money they should, and he performed like he's being paid a lot of money this year. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is they threw the ball to him more than they ever have before, like over 123 targets. That's phenomenal. But Jordan Akins, who was brought in, he has a past with Deshaun Watson, five years in Houston, caught only 15 balls for 132 yards. He's under contract for another year. Harrison Bryant caught only 13 balls for only 81 yards. He did have three touchdowns. But This was a guy, Andy. I thought might take that step this year. Instead, he took a step back, and I don't know that I did. Or did they use
1: him more as a blocker?
0: Except for this, if they used him more as a blocker, okay. They also used him under
1: center on quarterback sneaks, which I thought was really cool. I like that. I can't see him being back here. I can't either, especially as a free agent. Right, they'll go out and get a nice young tight end. That's, and, and
0: that's the point. They have another guy who's under contract, the reserve future contract, mm-hmm. Zaire Mitchell Payton, and he didn't. He played in one game, and he and didn't, he looked pretty good in the preseason. Well, he didn't catch a pass. He played his college football at Notre Dame mm-hmm. College in South Euclid, mm-hmm. and then one year at Florida Atlantic, which is oddly enough where Harrison Bryant also went to college. So you've got three guys under contract: Najoku Akins. And Mitchell Payton, I think this team adds a tight end in free agency. I agree with you, and and a pretty good one. And there are there are some pretty good tight ends available in this free agent group. Uh, if if you are looking for Travis Kelsey, well, he's not out there. You know, there is you are not going to find that kind of a guy
1: unless he demands a trade. Says, bring me home. My brother and I want to go home.
0: Well, if Tay falls in love with cleveland heights maybe they move home
1: I don't oh know. there's so many nice houses over well, in south park it's beautiful right when you come up yeah. fairmont oh there's gorgeous but houses let there.
0: me throw some names at you mm-hmm. free agent tight ends and don't think of this as oh wow that's our guy think of it as, as what a nice compliment to david njoku hunter henry who was in new england was a charger dalton schultz with the texans gerald everett mike Gesicki who I was a Penn Stater, Miami, and was with the Patriots, I think a sicky as an extra tight end. Receiving tight end would be terrific. Uh, Noah Fant, Austin Hooper's out there. Robert Tanyan, who was in Green Bay and really good with Aaron Rodgers, but has been a little injured. Irv Smith was with Minnesota and Cincinnati, former Alabama guy. And then the guy that Al Michaels calls Albert O. I I like this guy a lot, and I'll try to not butcher his name. Okwik Bunum. I believe is how you pronounce it, but I'm sure I'm not quite correct. Oakwig Bunham. And he was with Denver, you might remember, and then ended up in Philadelphia. I was surprised he didn't stick in Denver. He's going to be a free agent. I I think he's a really interesting young talent. So there are free agent tight ends available. I expect the Browns to sign one. If not, I expect them to get one in the draft, Andy, and not in the fifth or sixth or seventh round. I would expect them to either get a free agent tight end who plays – or draft a tight end
1: who plays. Let me, can I? I just want to correct one thing because this is going to drive me nuts. I want to make sure that when I said among the receivers for the Browns, I know I said that uh, Kareem Hunt was what, uh, ninth. I, I don't know if I just skipped over Jerome Ford or not. He was one, two, three. He was fourth in receptions this year. I don't know. It was just, but he doesn't play tight end. No, I know, but I'm just saying among receivers right. for, you know, how you break right. it down where your wide receivers, running backs, and specialist, Andy. Of, yeah, specialist. Let's yeah. just get this out of the way. Charlie
0: Hewlett's 34. He's under contract through 2026. He's going to be long snapping for the Browns for a long time. He's very good.
1: He's but excellent. And you know why? More, and there's nothing more to say there. You know what makes a long snapper great? If you really don't know his name. If you don't we do, know only the, because you admire him so well, because I think he's a fantastic he's long snapper. He's very good. And if you want your kids, your best shot probably at the NFL is at long snapper. If you can teach your kid how to long snap, you got a shot. I'm just telling you. Or kick, maybe. I don't know. I would probably say wrong snap. But the the key to Charlie Hewlett is, you know, real bronze fans know who he is. And if you don't know who he is, that means he's doing an excellent job because all the snaps are good. Way to go, Charlie. You don't need a long snapper. No. You also don't need a kicker. Unless...
0: And I read this, and I can't believe I read it. Somebody said you might cut him because of money. And I thought, are you kidding me? He's not making that much contract uh, money. Dustin Hopkins is under contract through 2024. He's good. He's already, already got a
1: deal. That's something we don't have to worry about. He missed two games, and he was still tied for 12th in points.
0: He missed two games
3: because he
1: was hustling. I don't ever want him to hustle again. Because yeah, he did a stupid thing.
3: Yeah, well, I don't know. He, he's uh,
1: stupid. He was trying to stop a play. You're going to get mad at a guy for making a play? That's yeah, not stupid. Yeah, That's if,
0: never if, stupid. If, if he had, yes, it is. It's not stupid. He got mad at Baker for making a play. Busted
1: up his shoulder. Not a good idea. Kickers, quarterbacks, don't make tackles. You know what? I don't think these guys should ever cross the street then, ever. He tried to make a play. I can't. How can you be mad at any athlete for hustling? I'm not mad. Just don't do it. Well, I'm not going to tell a pro athlete that they're stupid because they hustled to make a play. Hey, Dustin, I know you played defensive back in high school. You're not
0: going to catch the kick returner. Okay, there, done. Uh, He was 8 of 8 on 50-yard field goals, which was great. Let me just say this. He's not going to be as good next year as he was this year. Because he was so good this year. His history tells you he's not a great 50-plus kicker. He's improved. He's not going to go 8-for-8. I don't expect him to. I hope he's back here next year. I expect him to be back. He should be back, Andy. He was outstanding, and it was a terrific move by Andrew Barry. He was a game-changer, especially early in the season. Absolutely. Terrific move by Andrew Barry. Here you go. We're going to disagree on this. Corey Bohorkas was eighth in the NFL in punting. Hunter's mm-hmm. average, ridiculous yardage, now 49.4. And he was 11th in net putting. He's a free agent. I want him back. Okay, why are we going to disagree? Because if they don't bring him back, they'll just go get somebody else and it really won't phase me.
1: It's hard to find a good punter. There aren't a lot of Dave's Zastadils out there. I'm just telling you. That's true. I would like to see the guy come back. If they think that
0: they can save money, because they're going to have to save money and pay other guys. If they think they can come up with a good punter and not pay him as much as Bahorquez, all right, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. That said, I would like to see Corey Bajorquez back. I thought he did a really nice job for this team.
1: Amen. I second that. There's so no we ag- argument. We
0: agree on that.
1: No argument there.
0: If they don't bring him back, I'm not going to get upset.
1: Uh I i I'm going to keep my eye on him somewhere else, and he's going to come back to bite us in some game we play.: oh, he He's really It'll good. happen. He's really good, and I hope to bring him back. Yeah I do too. And if they don't, he's a punter, you will
0: find somebody else.: Probably. Can I give you the one of my favorite Gib Shanley lines of all time?
1: Jeff, why are you stealing my scripts? Is that what it was?:
0: No, that wasn't oh. it. Um, Gib, of course, the legendary Cleveland broadcaster and former voice of the Browns for, I think it was 24 seasons. Gib had a thing that he used to say. <laughs> he'd say because if, if a Browns punter had a bad game, he'd say, "We got three hundred million people in this country. We can't find thirty-two guys who can punt a football."
1: So he was the greatest.
0: It always cracked me up. There's our positional breakdown: tight ends, special teams.
1: We do need a kick returner. Specialists, specialists. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think Jacob I don't know if that's. I think that ship has chip sailed. Has he's sailed. a free agent. They Roche? get a fine. Maybe? Yeah. Uh, maybe. 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 We'll, no, he's a free we'll agent, see. too. They'd have to bring him back. Well, they
0: could bring him back. And Andy, and I hate to say this. They'll go get somebody to return. I had such high hopes for Jakeem Grant. I know. I did, too. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to go wide receivers. Oh. Get ready. The fun will be flying tomorrow. The guys have been kicking this one around for a couple of days. So we're going to talk about it. Explain, Dartmouth, you know, smart school, right? You're in New England, you're an Ivy leaguer. Congratulations, that's all well and good.
1: What do they plan to do here, Andy? They could change college athletics. All right, so let me give you the facts. This is straight from the ESPN article. The NLRB or the National Labor Relations Board. Uh, now, see, the- I'm scared already. Okay, you're, you're talking about college athletics and the
0: national labor relations board. Correct.
1: They ruled on Monday. The Dartmouth basketball players are employees of the school. That clears the way for an election that would create the first labor union for NCAA uh, athletes. So the NLRB said, hey, if you guys want to vote on being union, you can. You are employees. That's what that says. All 15 members of the Dartmouth men's basketball team signed a petition in September asking to join local 560 of the Service Employees International Union, which already represents some other employees at uh, the Ivy League school in Hanover, New Hampshire, which by the way is absolutely gorgeous, beautiful campus. Unionizing would allow players to negotiate not only over salary but working conditions, including practice hours and travel. Wow, that that's a uh, that could be a little bit of a nightmare. Although it gives them the 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 uh, it'd be just like the uh, you know NFLPA, NHLPA, Major League Baseball. It'd, it'd be the same there. Um Quote, because Dartmouth has the right to control the work performed by the Dartmouth men's basketball team, the players perform that work in exchange for compensation. I, fi- I find that the petition for basketball players are employees within the meaning of the National Labor, the National Labor Relations Act. That's the NLRB regional director, director, Laura Sachs. That's what she wrote. All right. Can I? Can now I have a- the school's response if you wanted All right,
0: to. Can I ask sure. a question before we get to that? Sure. If you're an employee and you're labor, doesn't that mean you get paid? Yes. How can Dartmouth athletes be employees when the Ivy League doesn't give out athletic scholarships?
1: Define the word paid. Compensation? I would think. Free education could be
0: compensation. They don't get that. How do you know? Because the Ivy League does not give out, well, Dartmouth does not give out athletic scholarships. Uh, do they give out academic or any kind of aid they give out athletic or academic scholarships but okay. they do that to all students So are all students employees of the school
1: are all, all of the uh, academic aid uh, packages the same for everybody? I don't I would not I don't so therefore so. the compensation they're could based be different on, they're
0: based on need
1: Well supposedly. it depends I mean need of what I mean you could also get scholarships in other realm. I
0: mean saying, we could they, debate they, this so we're blowing well, I'm face just more. I'm just wondering where do they get their money from because I, I don't understand the employee aspect since they don't get athletic scholarships
1: well what she's saying according to this that their employees because uh I just read it um because Dartmouth has the right to control the work performed by the Dartmouth men's basketball team and the players perform that work in exchange for compensation I find that the petition for the Petition for Basketball Players are employees. So there is compensation. According to the NLRB, she agrees that they are compensated. How? I, I don't know. She's with the I, NLRB. I, I mean, does I, uh, it no, matter? I'm not asking yeah. you. I'm just throwing it out. How are they compensated? Well, I mean, do they get free food. Do all students get I, free I food? I would assume when they're on road trips, they get fed. Oh, I would assume they get fed all the time. Most Division One schools are fed. Those athletes have a place to go eat anytime they want. No, I'm just. I mean, my, my guess is Andy. They get
0: swipes on their little card to go into the cafeteria
1: like every other student. Um, I they, totally they do not I mean, have athletic scholarships. I can tell you, at Ohio State they had their own separate place to go eat. Well, so, that's a different uh, world. Than, well, it's a than, Division One school. I can tell you that. Well, Dartmouth- Kent State's
0: a different world
1: than Ohio State when it comes to athletics. And Kent State probably has their own places to go eat for the athletes. probably. But
0: yeah. I, I'm just. I'm just asking. All, all I'm saying is, seriously, Ivy League students playing basketball are university employees. I'm not arguing with you. It's not your ruling. You know, NIL and full rides and everything else, okay. That's one thing. Ivy League? And just
1: to clarify, the Ivy Leagues, and just to reiterate what you said, Ivy Leagues do not award merit, talent, or athletic scholarships to prospective students. Instead, they offer some of the strongest need-based financial programs in the world. For instance, all of the Ivy League schools are – committed to meeting 100% of demonstrated need for prospective students. So that's so if you are a need-based student at an Ivy League school and you could probably make the argument I'm sure that need is is a vague word too. Sure is. Um that that's your compensation. Right, but that
0: doesn't separate them from a normal student who may get a full academic ride or something So like that. let
1: me ask you this. Let's just say a normal student is working in the cafeteria and the cafeteria is organized. Are they allowed to be in a union? If a normal student is going to I, school, I'm not, of maybe, course they can. Maybe. If there's a food and workers union there, should they, they they probably yeah. have to join the See,
0: union. See, what, what we're leading to is this. We're, we're going to, as if it hasn't already been ruined, you're getting ready to ruin what we know as inter- intercollegiate athletics. And it's going to change. I mean, it it has to. the The NIL is changing all that. If you're going to call athletes employees, and you're going to put the school on the hook for more stuff, it's not like the Ivy League is like the Big Ten or the SEC. They're not cashing in on their academic, on their athletic programs, not to the extent of the others. They might make a little money on it, and make it you know profitable. Well, there's nothing wrong with making a profit. There isn't. But if you're you know if you're making gazillions and gazillions of dollars off of it, well, then you have the SEC and you know the ACC and the Big Ten, and that's that's a different world than the Ivy League. And if they're going to pick the Ivy League as the test case for something like this, Andy, and, and not that they have, the, the Dartmouth kids apparently went after it, and then the NLRB gets
1: involved. Well, what, well what they agree they, with the kids. They think the kids well, should be compensated. What are they going to say or about Ohio should... State?
0: What are they going to say about Texas? What are they going to say about Alabama, Louisiana State? I mean... Then all of a sudden, all these guys are employees. It's going to change.
1: It's going to change a lot of things. If the school can, I think the point there from the NLRB was the school dictates the hours that they perform. Yeah, you got to come to practice. The
0: school also dictates what time you can take uh, Algebra three.
1: Well, you have options. Does That make there. you an employee? I'm sure that they offer more than one Algebra three class, don't you think? Okay, so, so you may have options.
0: Yeah, but I'd like to take it at 10 o'clock at night on Thursdays. Nope, we don't have it there. Oh, then you're dictating when I can take it.
2: Dirty Dan's in Cleveland. Dirty,
1: Dirty Dan. Dan,
2: what's up, Dirty Dan? Not much. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. Now, I like it. This is a little bit of a question, but it's I, I have a statement before. If that, if that's okay, Andy.
1: Sure, go ahead, Dirty Dan. It's All okay right. with Jeff too.
2: All right. Look like. You guys brought it up. Dartmouth, Ohio State, Kent State, they're all different worlds. They're, Correct. I mean, they're all different worlds. And, look, QB1 is not the same as QB2. QB2 is not the same as as left tackle 3. Like, the, the point I'm trying to make is that they're trying to make everything fair, and it's just life's not fair. It, it's not fair. And, like, I don't know. I I don't like the equal pay, the, you know, Dartmouth, every 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 player's an employee. I don't like it. I like how the NCAA's done it. It's you know, if you're a good player, you get the transam in the driveway right before signing day. Like <laughs> that that is what I want. Okay? I mean now it's a little bit more Man, out there awesome. with NIL, but that's how it should be. It's like I, am I completely
1: off base here? I don't. I've always been a big fan that I think player. I mean, I've always I'm thought that players Sam. should get some kind of compensation, especially if they're selling the jersey without the name on the back of it. I've always said that. Like, so you. I mean, the basketball team at Dartmouth is the one that organized. I got to believe. I'm looking at their attendance for hockey games. They averaged twenty one thousand a game for their hockey games. Or twenty one thousand. They had twenty one thousand. No, their average. I'm sorry. 21,000 went to the game. North Dakota averages 11,000 per game. Never mind. Bills and Parma Bill.
3: You know, this is a great uh, discussion especially about the Ivy League. You know, the Ivy League cannot cry that they just don't have the money because their endowment like Harvard is in the billions of dollars, not millions. Yeah, it's 1000000000s You're, billions You're of right, dollars. Bill. And and this fact that they don't give scholarships is hilarious. Well, they,
0: they don't give athletic scholarships.
3: Um, right. But, that, but so, you know, so, I, well, then they should. Because, you know, my daughter was a Division I swimmer at an SEC school. Nice. And she swam six to seven hours a day. And it was Missouri. And I'll tell you right now, uh, it was a job. And she liked it, luckily. But the bottom line is, there, there's these kids, especially at Dartmouth and these places, they deserve it. The money is there. And the fact that they have to negotiate it this way, you know, Dartmouth could have just said, you know what, we will give scholarships here. We we do believe we have, with our billions of dollars, have enough money to give this to you. And so they kind of put themselves in this boat.
0: I believe I it's before, a, lead, a league-wide um, decision not to give I,
3: athletic scholarships. Yeah. Anyway. Well, but again, this is, I mean, just look how cheap these guys are with their billions of dollars not doing that. And, and if you know, if they didn't have these sports for these athletes, that would be a strike against them.
0: Well, it would. Bill, and thank you very much. Interesting conversation. Interesting, interesting situation. And uh, we're just starting to scratch the surface of this kind of stuff. NBA trade deadline is tomorrow afternoon. I believe it's 3 o'clock, the actual deadline time. Will the Cavaliers make a move? Should they make a move? Will they wipe the floor with the Washington Wizards tonight? I believe the answers to those uh, will come out of Sam Amico. Coming up next on Basket and Phelps. Go to HoopsWire.com. HoopsWire.com. And the gentleman who will be all over everything with the trade deadline, everything you want to know, is Sam Amico. He joins us right now in the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Hello, Sammy. Guys, how are you? Uh, we're good. Outstanding. Uh, right right now up on, on the website, the Pacers' buddy healed, drawing trade interest from the Sixers. Uh, Lakers should temper trade deadline expectations. Cavs likely to stand pat at trade deadline. And that's a good thing. That's a commentary written by you. Why would that be a good thing?
4: Well, because you don't mess with success, right? They, they've won 14 of 15 uh, since January 1st. They've won six in a row. They're just really cruising right now, and everybody that's playing, which is you know ten guys deep, is has really been playing well. So you really don't want to mess with that chemistry and the fact that look everybody knows their roles right now and is very comfortable, and it's really clicking.
5: Hmm.
0: Do you think J.B. Bickerstaff breaks out in a rash when he thinks about the fact that he's playing 10 men?
4: <laughs> you know, look, yes, probably. The fact that you usually play nine, and that ninth guy gets like nine or 10 minutes, it could be a, a, a tough thing for a coach to work them all in. But the fact is, uh, you know, you've got 10 guys who can contribute, who have proven that they can contribute and the other thing, too, nice thing about that isn't necessarily that you have to play 10 guys. It's someone's always, most of the time during the regular season, you have an injury or there where someone's held out, right? So now you have a guy like Sam Merrill who may not play one night, but then the next night, because of an injury or something, he's playing 25, 30 minutes. So, and he's proven capable of doing that. That's the nice thing about depth. It's not necessarily the fact that we've got to squeeze all these guys in. It's if something could happen, if somebody gets into foul trouble, if there's an injury, if somebody needs to sit a while, then you're able to plug in another guy and you know he's
2: capable.
1: Are you surprised at where the Cavs are right now? I mean, I, I can't, with the injuries, I never thought they'd be where they are, you know, past these these last 16 games especially. I just – I look at this team and, like I say this all the time, I'm in. I'm almost all in. I wonder what the rest of the season is going to look like. And I'm just – I'm curious your thoughts on where they are right now as we're, what, five, six games – five games away from the All-Star break.
4: Yeah, it's a stunner. Yeah. I mean, they – they, you you think about how they started. There was the injury to Garrett Allen, uh, some other injuries to Garland and Mitchell sprinkled in there. Levert missed a few games. O'Coro missed a bunch. You think about all that, and they looked very clunky because of it. And then, then they finally got all five starters back, and guess what? They lost to the lousy Portland Trailblazers at home. So, yeah, it's a, the fact that they are where they are right now after Mobley and Garland missed significant time uh, together at the same time it's it's a shocker, and then and then you know I think last time I was on or a couple weeks ago we were all talking about you know how are Garland and Mobley going to work, how they're going to work them back in now that they're hot. Well, they've only been better since those two have come back. So I don't know that anybody saw this coming. Maybe probably not even the Cavs, but uh, it's it's really working. I I was at the Sacramento game the other night Monday night, and I got to tell you guys. The way the ball is moving, it, it, it's. I haven't seen this since before the LeBron era. The way, the way that they're moving the ball and playing off each other, and, and, and really moving themselves offensively.
0: Sam Amico joining us, Hoopswire.com. As you said, since Garland's been back, they've played very well. Let me throw some numbers at you. Darius Garland's minutes slightly restricted, coming back from his his broken jaw and his mouth being wired shut. And that's understandable. But he's played some restricted minutes. His point totals 19, 9, 4, and 11 in those games. Is that going to fly long-term? I mean, does that create any issue for a, a young star player?
4: I, I can tell you all, all I could go on right now is what I see. And he seems perfectly content and, and perfectly happy that they're winning games. He really has taken i mean you you think about a lot of his points since he's been back they've they've really kind of been you know you you barely notice him you know he he's not doing he's not forcing anything which young players who have been an all-star can do sometimes and he's not been doing that he's really been playing within the flow of the offense i would say at more than more than any other time of his career so you know I don't know if it'll fly long-term, but right now it seems to be going going just fine. And I think, you know, look, eventually at the end of the season, however this all unfolds, you're going to have to figure out what's going on with Donovan Mitchell. Uh, and, you know, you're going to have to figure out, are Garland and Mitchell the long-term solution? Maybe they are, but things that are going to be determined a lot, I think, once we get into the playoffs.
0: If you can win big and, and I mean big, you know, get to the NBA Finals. With 2 six, one guards, you'd probably be the first one to do it. Doesn't mean it can't be done. And I, I love Jared Allen. I love Evan Mobley. Love Garland. Love Mitchell. If they can figure out how to make that mix work, fabulous. I don't expect any trades of, of major significance, Sam, involving any of those four guys by tomorrow's deadline. And you think they should stand pat. They're perfect argument for that. If a guy like DeAndre Hunter... In Atlanta, who is a six-eight wing player who can play small forward and score, is available, and you keep hearing that name. That's that's the one name that I keep hearing that I think that's intriguing. If I'm the Cavaliers, would you make a play for him? I think you would see what
4: you would have to give up to get him. Um, you know, you don't want to. You don't, as you mentioned, you don't want to give up any of your core guys no. there. Um, but. You know, it's that upgrade? Would he be an upgrade over somebody like, say, Isaac Ochoa, Karis LeVert? Those are the things you'd have to figure out. You probably would be, you know. But is it's not always about upgrades individually. It's how are they going to fit with the rest of the guys? How are they going to fit in the locker room? Because there is not a shred of drama in that locker room, and I don't I don't think DeAndre DeAndre Hunter is a guy that you need to worry about. But those are those are all the things you need to consider before making a trade. It's not just, is this player better than who we have? It's, is he a better fit? And um, I think that they're going to find the answer to that question tomorrow, you know, three o'clock's a deadline. I, I, I think they're going to think, no, we don't, we don't we're not going to make any changes because right now it'd be, it'd be pretty risky to make a change. Uh, even if you think you're getting a, a guy, because somebody like DeAndre Hunter is going to cost you the kind of draft capital that, Frankly, I
1: don't. You know, the Cavs it, just don't have. They don't have, yeah. Mm. Hey, Sam. Um, you know, I talked about evaluating the team where they are right now. How about J.B. Beckerstaff where they are now? Because when you win, everything seems to be going right for the coach. You know, like, oh, he's doing everything right. They're moving the ball well. Uh, defense in a league that's giving up so many points now uh, looked pretty good the other night. It, has he changed, or have the players become more comfortable with each other, or have everybody gotten a little bit better as they've they've learned how to win with or without players?
4: I, I think that they've all gotten better. I think that he's been better um, in terms of figuring out the rotation and, you know, making sure that guys are guys are content with their minutes and their roles. Uh, clearly, everybody's bought in. Right? I mean, you don't don't win this many games when when your guys aren't sure of what the coach is selling. So uh, he, he's. I, I, I've always thought he's been pretty good. Um, but I, I just think he's been excellent lately. Right now, guess what? Your biggest challenge if you're J.B. Bickerstaff, right? You got everybody healthy. You've got all these players that are expecting to play, and got to work them out. He's he's had the luxury of the minutes restriction on on Mobley and Garland, because then he makes sure that the other guys are going to play. Once those restrictions are lifted, yeah. you know how are you going to manage the rotation? at that point. And, and And this is really his greatest challenge because now expectations are high.
0: Sam Amico joining us, hoopswire.com. And with the trade deadline approaching three o'clock tomorrow, Sam will have everything you need for it on his website. Is there a team in the Eastern conference, Sam, that you think will be really active uh, that could affect the Cavaliers, obviously with playoff seating and everything else that, that you think needs to make a trade, will make a trade.
4: Well, both Boston and Milwaukee, have both been very active. They're they're near the top of the conference, obviously, one and two. Um Boston's looking, you know, to get some some depth off the bench, get two or three guys if they can, at least, to to contribute off the bench. And I, I don't think they're going to make any huge trade, but you know, you might see somebody both Boston and Milwaukee have a strong interest in Bruce Brown, who's with the Raptors, the guard who won a championship last season with with the Nuts. Um, so I, I foresee those teams both trying to short their benches a little bit because I think they know they have to, you know, because they're not in, – in, I think even in their own minds, they're not that far ahead of the Cavs. They know what the Cavs are doing right now and how they're playing, and, um, you know, as good as Boston is when totally healthy, that the, they just don't have a whole lot coming off the bench, and Milwaukee's just been – as good as they are, they have not been real reliable. Uh, so, I, I, I think that they want to add another veteran player. So, those are the two teams in the Eastern Conference that are already on top of the Eastern Conference that are, you know, trying that would impact the Cavs
0: if they're able to land some veterans in reserve. In the Western Conference, Sam, right now you have four teams tied for first place. <laughs> That's going to be fun to watch uh, the rest of the way out. Winning percentages are different, but. Games back, they're all even Clippers, Thunder, Timberwolves, Nuggets. You think somebody's going to jump and think, all right, we need we need to try and separate here and we need to try and make a deal? Oklahoma City obviously has a ton of young talent and a ton of draft capital.
4: Yeah, I think it's more likely to be somebody like the Timberwolves who are really clearly exploring the market for a backup point guard, uh, you know, to, to back up Mike Conley. So... Most of those teams are pretty content. You look at the Nuggets; they don't do a whole lot very often, and that's kind of been why they are successful. And that's why I say the Cavs shouldn't make a move, is because they they stand pat at the trade deadline a lot, don't make a lot of major moves, and just let their guys get used to playing together. And I think the same thing's going to be, you know, the case with the Thunder. Um, it, it would be a surprise to me if if any of those teams in the top four made a deal or at least a splashy deal. Of course, LeBron James and the Lakers are trying to trade off half the team again, uh, which is which is typical of a LeBron team. So uh, that's really the team to watch in the West.
0: Sammy, thank you, buddy. Uh, everything you need to know about the trade deadline, hoopswire.com. Hoopswire.com. Uh, Sam will have you covered. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Sammy. Hi,
0: guys. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you soon. Sam Amico on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Sam's story, Cavs likely to stand pat at the trade deadline, and that's a good thing. Is it? Trade deadline in the NBA tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Sam Amico from Hoopswire says Cavs shouldn't
1: do anything. They should stand pat. Andy Baskin, what say you? Um, I, I think past history will tell you the Cavs will make some kind of move because that's just who they are. I, I agree with Sam. I don't think they need to go out and make any major moves. Look how they're playing right now. You know, the only thing that would be in the back of your mind if you're the front office is, do we need one more player that can help us win in the first round so we don't have what happened to us last year happen again? If that's in your mind and you think you can make the team better, then go out. But I think Sam's right. They don't have the trade assets, especially as far as draft picks are concerned, to go out and do. I mean, their their future is pretty much mortgaged on what we're watching every night right now. So I, yeah. I, I just I can't see them making a move. And if they do, it'll be a minor move. The scary part of it is exactly what you said. The... the future
0: is now for the calves and keep that in mind you've given up you've given up your first round draft choice in the next well for 3 years starting in 2025 and then you've given up a better first round pick in two other years during that a 5 year stretch so the future is now this has to work if, if it doesn't work then you're going to have a you're going to have a tough time here. In other words, it, you have to win, and if you don't keep Donovan Mitchell, you got to figure out how to make it work by moving him along at some point. And if you do keep Donovan Mitchell, you have to make it work with the players that you have here. It's working right now beautifully. I, I wonder if the minutes restriction is an interesting thing, because I, as I mentioned, the point totals for Darius Garland have been way down since he's come back he had a 19 point game first one back but his shot totals his point totals have been down if everybody's okay with the winning and you're willing to do that that's okay uh you look at evan mobley evan has also had minutes restrictions he hasn't played more than 28 since he's been back but he's had two double doubles he had a 28 and 10 he had 11 points 14 rebounds seven assists last game against sacramento his game, he can do a lot of different things that Darius Garland can. If Darius is okay with that, and if everybody buys in, it could be in line for some big things. The only way I make a trade here, Andy, is if I can significantly upgrade on the wing. Nothing against Isaac Okoro. If the Hawks could take Isaac Okoro and something else in a trade and bring back DeAndre Hunter to the Cavaliers, I would do it in a heartbeat. And Isaac is from the Atlanta area, so he'd be keen on that. I just throw DeAndre Hunter out because his name has been mentioned not just this year, but for for some time in trade talks. I, I wonder, uh, is that a trade that Atlanta would like to make? They'd like to pick up their defense. Isaac's better defender than DeAndre Hunter. Maybe we'll see.
1: I don't. The two things that you say there, too, one significant, and then the word that goes with significant is assets. I just I don't know that we I mean is Isaac Okoro no, uh, enough to get him? No, so I I think they're just kind of stuck. But Isaac Okoro and and woo. let
0: well, I me mean, I, I I'm not saying trade these guys. Isaac Okoro and Max Struess would be. I don't know that I would make that trade. Isaac Okoro and Sam Merrill might be. I don't know that I would make that trade. I don't, not right now. I'm not and, sure. and Atlanta's an interesting team because they have Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. They gave up a ton to get Murray like the Cavs gave up a ton to get Mitchell. I think DeJounte Murray's a terrific player. He's not as good as Donovan Mitchell. But is he a better mix down there? Hard to say because they're not playing anywhere near as well as the Cavaliers right now. So they might be willing to make a trade and, and, and shake it up in hopes of, you know, actually improving their team significantly rather than the Cavs. We're in a situation where, Andy, I think they can just tinker a little bit. Andy is in North Olmstead. Hello, Andy.
5: Hey, Andy. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Andy. How's it going, guys? Good. How are you, man? Uh, hey, great. I hey, just want to first of all say what a great interview you guys just both had with uh, Sam Amico. And, Jeff, you have almost stolen all my thunder. Oh, Andy, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Hey, but anyway, uh, just real quick, I have a player, too, I want to ask you about. But just getting back to the cast situation, I want you to guys think about this. Boston is not going away for the next few years oh. when is the next time you think we're going to have an opportunity to be as high as a second seed so with that in mind Jeff um, and for whatever it's worth DeAndre Hunter looked great the other night against the Clippers hey, he's on a minutes restriction but yeah. he played outstanding Had yeah, 27
0: points in what he played like 19 minutes didn't he Andy yeah
5: yeah <laughs> so and obviously he's got the injury bugaboo that you have to maybe worry about but he is 26 and he is signed for 3 more years so just food for thought uh so i mean god i, I go back and forth you guys but uh, our schedule so favorable the next 11 games where we can maybe actually pad our lead in, in terms of the second seed and like i said when else can we be the second seed but anyway jeff i want to ask you about another lesser player i know you know the nba and you, you too as well but uh i know chris fedor had mentioned it and he's like one of my sleeper guys out there it's it, it's it, he's, he's a small forward from uh from utah simone Fontecchio. Uh, wow, now that You're would be a nice there. trade for around the margins.
0: Uh, what do you think it would cost to get him?
5: You know what? I'm thinking Ty Jerome's contract in a few seconds.
0: And see, here's here's the thing, Andy. That's the type of deal that would wouldn't excite anybody. I know. I agree. But if but but that's the kind of deal that the Cavs could make if and you move a contract Ty Jerome unfortunately for him and for the Cavs hasn't been any factor this year because of his injury um how many picks are you going to give up? Seconds are tradable commodities you know it's it's like cash in in the NBA but they just keep moving back and forth when anybody uses them and they actually work it's it's kind of rare okay fine if you want to take a flyer on a guy i can see that and there are, there are a number of guys around and i'm not overly familiar with him There are a lot of guys that are on the bottom of rosters who you might think somebody you can go get. You know, I mentioned the name Jonathan Kaminga earlier in the show. Jonathan spent two years, I think, in Golden State just kind of going along and playing. And now, halfway through this season, he's been getting significant minutes and he's caught on fire. If you can find a guy like that, you know, and maybe your guys won.
5: Hey, but you know, and, and in ending too with you guys, uh, you know, JB has made it very clear that he prefers a nine over 10. So maybe this is the time for Jeff. I can't help it when you, when you said Isaac, he is from Atlanta. And I know we've talked about it before, Max Struess, who's really more of a two off the bench than a mm-hmm. starting three. I, agree I with mean, that. I mean that, that may sound like a lot, but you guys, they have a decision to make with a Coral. He's a restricted free agent. Some could offer him more than a (laughs) mid-level. And then that puts us between a rock and a hard place. And, Andy,
0: if you give up more in assets than you think you should, but you end up with a better fit, then you made a good trade, didn't you?
5: Jeff, imagine that defensively, though, with Hunter up front with Evan and Jared and throwing in Dean Wade. (laughs) You know, I like that defense up front. I really do. I mean, that's switchable defense. Andy,
0: stay tuned. We uh, we're looking forward to the trade deadline coming up tomorrow at three. Andy from North Olmsted, always with some good basketball thoughts. There, there's no question that the world of sports and television, Andy, have grown, changed, uh, morphed into s- so many different things. And it looks like if a couple of the real big timers have their way, that that's going to happen again. ESPN, Fox. And Warner Brothers talking about going into cahoots on something when it comes to streaming sports and buying up sports like crazy and having rights, Andy, and an opportunity to televise so much stuff, package it together, and sell
1: it directly to the consumer. All right, let's be honest. What this really is, and Dan, you di- if you disagree with what I'm saying, please tell me, okay? When, when most people had cable or satellite and that was it, this was already done for you. You had Fox, you had TNT, you had TBS, you had MLB, you had uh, NHL, you had, you know, especially like if you had the DirecTV ticket, uh, the Sunday ticket, you had all of the games. You had all of that in one place for you. Now, since there's been so many cord cutters and trying to figure it out, they're all trying to find a place to put things right now. And what it sounds like is ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers are going to take want to take all of their sports entities take them to one streaming app so that you'll be able to find everything there essentially going backwards in time only you're not dealing with every other channel you're just putting the sports tier together on one stream if that's now, the way I'm corrected now that's why is right.
0: that going back in time if they're going to put it all in something where you can basically and, and get everything going in one spot because it's what you had
1: when you had cable or or direct tv same exact thing
0: it's exactly the same kind of what's the difference well you had different channels and your cable had to make sure you were carrying this or that or whatever. so the
1: the difference then is is that you have in that format you may have to punch in channel 201 in this one you take your clicker and you click on the app and it's sitting right there there's I mean, literally, that's the only difference. But the way you're – the the intake is different. It's not cable and it's not satellite. It's through your internet. That's all there is to it, right? I mean, Dan, that's – to simplify it, that's really what they're trying to do.
6: Oh, yeah. So it's basically going to be instead of right now, let's say you're an Arizona State grad. Okay, I'm I'm picking that out from this guy. Sun Devils, baby, let's go. All the way. One of the best mascots in sports. So – you're an Arizona State fan.
1: I had a great Arizona State t shirt when I was in college. I believe. We that. were just at, we were talking about that this morning. We were like, hey, I wonder what kind of great t shirts Jeff had in college. I was, I
0: got it when I was out with working the Sun the, Devil guy on the it. The Phoenix Open oh. for CBS, our buddies. Wow. Ding. ding. Oh, that's, oh, that's serious. A serious ding. ding.
6: Oh, my gosh. I'm shocked. You need to stretch before you drop things like that. Go ahead. Anyway, so let's say you're an Arizona State Sun Devils fan and you want to watch their college football game, okay? So what you would have to do now is, of course, go to your phone, figure out which station and which time is going to have the Arizona State football game, and then go to that particular station or that particular streaming app at that time to watch it. What this will do is it would make it that you want to watch the Arizona State game. There's only one place it's going to be, and it's going to be on this app. And it's the same place that you're going to watch Arizona State baseball, and it's the same place that you would watch if the Phoenix Suns were on TNT that night, you would watch them right there, too. So that's the whole idea behind this is instead of right now to watch the Phoenix Suns, if they're on TNT, I'd have to go to the Max app to go watch there. Now it's all in one place, and they want to charge you one flat fee for everything all in one place.
0: Okay, then let me, let me throw this at you. I'm, I'm just kind of being the contrarian on this. Okay, that's great. All my sports are in one place. Right. That smells like a monopoly. And all my sports are in one place, and you're charging me $50 or $25 a month. And then all of a sudden, all my sports are in one place, and you're going to charge me 40 And I'm mad because I don't want to pay 40 mm-hmm. And I'm going to go somewhere else to watch sports. Oh, wait a minute. I can't.
6: Doesn't this all sound familiar?
0: And then all of a sudden, they're going to charge me 75 mm-hmm. And then pretty soon, it's $100
1: a month for a sports channel. And like I said, you're going backwards in time because that's what, yeah. you know, Cable and satellite was doing same thing. Yeah.
6: And then you're gonna pick up the phone. And I try mean, it's to call really no different
1: than what, you you know what you've then? always been doing. It's just you're just going to a different platform. This sounds even like more of a, a monopoly though,
0: if it's all in one spot, because at least you had a, a variety of different sports channels before.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just, uh, it's, it's still, uh, the everything, all of this, whether it's, you know, whether it's. uh uh Diamond Sports group um, Sinclair really was what that is or ESPN or Fox or whoever this is all about and this has always all been about the way the money flows and it's about you know getting money back to the teams for the product that they own they own they own that that property and that property is worth something. now how are they getting it used to be so simple you watch cable? you pay for cable, cable pays out the leagues or the teams and it's easy. It was three easy steps. What happened when we started cord cutting, we, we made nothing easy and everything became a la carte and we saw this coming. When we knew things were going to go a la carte that you okay, it might only be $15 for, you know, said uh said league and maybe $20 for this league or whatever. That's it's really what we, you know, you think it's better in some ways, but sometimes be careful what you wish for, yet you don't want to have to pay. Like, if you don't like to watch the Food Networks, why should I, I like sports? I don't like this. Why should I have to pay for both Why
6: am those? I paying for the real yeah. housewives of Salt Lake City? That's right. Yep. And well, let's be well,
1: really you, honest. Have you seen the housewives of Salt Lake City? Let's all be really honest. This, this all started with paying someone with an antenna, and they said, hey, I can string a cable to this, and I've got the highest antenna in town. And now I'm going to take that antenna, and I'm going to spread it out to the people in my community. It's or if you know your next-door neighbor, you can just run a cable from next door. See, there you go. Get it for free. Chris is in
0: Cleveland Heights. Hello, Chris. Hey, Chris. Hello. Hi there. Long-time listener. Chris, you first. with us? First-time caller. Hi, Ty. Guess not. Hi, Ty. Oh, what happened? Yeah,
1: uh, What is line just died? Well, I never heard him. Did you? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, I, I did. heard did him, Yeah, he was talking. I didn't. Chris, I didn't call, I didn't. call back. Sorry, yes. Chris. We'll prioritize you if you call back. Sorry. My apologies. I think his question was well, you'll be able to record on that. Jeff what So it said cords. on the line. Um, I'm assuming that I'm cutting phone lines. Aren't you assuming that you'll still be able to record these games somehow, Oops, some then. way?
6: It'd be my assumption, or yeah. you'd be able to watch it on a playback. You know, they're they're pretty good about, you know, if you use ESPN plus or you use any of those, they're pretty good about turning that around relatively quickly so you can go back and watch it.
1: Or what they'll do is they'll offer you cloud space so that you can record your favorite shows right. on there. That's and, and I mean again, and this, that'll be a different package where you can pay more for. So this doesn't exist yet. This was just leaked out
6: yesterday uh, through a couple of different channels. I saw it on the riot.
1: I think, you know, so consumer-wise, this yet. is going to be a lot easier.
0: Well, think about what's going on with Major League Baseball. And with the NBA, I think more so, I think we're all concerned about baseball. But also with the NBA and the NHL and the Diamond Sports Group and everything that's going on there and the AT&T Sports, all, all of the little regionals, I, I just... I wonder if this cleans it up and makes it a lot easier, as you guys say, or if it just, hey, we've got it all now, and we're going to charge you out the wazoo. I I just I wonder about that. I don't know the answer.
1: I'm just curious. And if you want me to go a little deeper into this, the next step after that is a, a thing called Live Barn, which I watch all the time. And Live Barn has ice rinks all over the country, but they also, I've watched like, Every Berliner Park, which is down in Columbus, which I think has like 20-plus fields. a big softball field yes. thing right off and, and hardball, too. You play baseball there, too. That every one of those fields has a camera on it. And the National Federation of State High School Association has a channel, which is on my Roku now. I mean, I have their app on my Roku. Um, that they do unbelievable amounts of high school stuff, including state championships. My question is is when did they're going to be in the game? It's all about content. Who's got the content who wants to watch it. So, but I mean you could be talking about like, you know, the the NF uh, NFSHA HSA is what it is. NFHS is, so this is what it is. That they, you know, they may only be getting 10 or 15 people watching a game, but they've got thousands of games that are accessible through the web. So, when did those jump up and become you know big time places to go to. Live Barn is unbelievable. Well, that's like I can I pretty much can watch any I can watch any hockey game in town all the time if you just have a subscription to Live Barn. And cool. I've watched baseball in there. I've watched softball. I mean, I've watched all kinds of stuff on on that too. And the more these little cameras that keep popping up around, and it, in some ways they look like broadcast TV, and they also have the option that you can put you know a ticker on the bottom, a secondary camera that they'll put in for a clock. They'll, you know, if you want to buy their headsets, you can have play-by-play and color. It's just, it is endless. uh, The amount of content that's out there, it's just a matter of how to get to it. So it's it's super interesting to see how all of this stuff is still going to expand in the future.
0: Let's go to the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. He works with the NFL Network. He's having a busy week.
1: But what's he doing on
0: Super Bowl Sunday? He's our friend Chris Rose. Hello, Chris. He's chilling. What's up, Chris?
7: Hello, hello, hello. Hello. How are you? Good, how are you? Good.
0: Thanks. What What's Super Bowl Sunday looking like for you?
7: Couch. Uh it'll be fun. It's the best in my opinion, the best 2 hours of the year on the network, which is I get to host the post-game show from down on the field with very happy people who just want a Super Bowl. So it's I mean it it's always my most enjoyable show of the year and it's a ton of fun. I'll be down there with MJD and Michael Robinson and we'll be talking to a bunch of either Elated Chiefs or Niners? When do you head out? Uh, Not till later. Uh, Our youngest son has got the start of, well, weather pending, his senior year for baseball. Yes. And so I didn't want to miss his first game. So we're waiting.
1: That's awesome. Chris, um, can you explain this to me? Because I really, I have no idea what it's like. I've never covered one. And. Considering we're from Cleveland, the only city that has had absolutely nothing to do with the Super Bowl since uh, uh, the invention of the Super Bowl, what right. is it like to be at a Super Bowl?
7: So <laughs> I suppose it really depends at what point of your life you're at. Uh, when right. I first started going, and I think this is my 16th or 17th, something like that, Um So the first one I covered was Super Bowl 37 down in San Diego, which was the last one in San Diego. So it was the bucks and the Raiders. Um, I got down there for, we did a show for best dam on a Friday and partied it all weekend. We didn't have any responsibilities. And I remember that the coolest thing was on Sunday when I went to the game, our tickets were right in back of Adam Sandler. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. This is awesome. So, you know, if you can get into the parties, they're fun, but they're really overcrowded, and they're not – I can't imagine what they're like in Las Vegas. They're just – got to be insane. You know, every show that goes down there interviews the same exact people. So, you know, when people are like, look at our guest list that we have on our show today, it's – well, it's because they're all selling a product, and they have endorsers, and they're all there – not because they want to be on their show, but because they're getting paid by somebody else to be on your show. Um, so that's, a, but it's always fun. We had some great, particularly on best dam. We just had some crazy setups and really, you know, fun, different stuff. Cause we were, you know, we did want a show on the beach in Miami. Uh, we had a really, really fun one out in Arizona where we did it at the bird's nest in conjunction with then the Phoenix open, which is an equally insane event. And then the game itself, the game's like the game. I mean, the crowd's, a little strange because it's so many like corporate people that get tickets that they're not the true fans. And so if it's a blowout, the stadium is kind of empty ish at the end, but it's fun.
0: I look at these two teams, Chris, and I think first of all, they're, they're both first and foremost comes to mind their offenses yet. Their defenses are both really, really pretty nice units, but I look at those offenses and if I'm a Browns, Person, I, I look and I just think, you've just continually thrown skill position players onto this offense. Some work, some don't. You know, you've one team has their their franchise quarterback. The other one tried to get it, but Trey Lance didn't work, and they find Brock Purdy. Uh, I, it's the skill position thought on the offense that just kind of sticks with me about both the Chiefs and the 49ers, Even though the Chiefs haven't had the standouts at wide receiver this year, they usually have. Even with Rasheed Rice coming on, is, is is that you think that's a legit thought, or am, am I just looking at it too simply?
7: No, I think you're off base. Actually, okay. the reason the Chiefs are where they are is because of their defense and Patrick Mahomes. His inability, his ability to play air free football in the postseason. He's gone six straight games without a turnover. He's been he's been great. Um, and they do have a guy who's in the discussion to be the greatest ever at his position in Travis Kelsey. Other than that, tell me where the Chiefs are better than the Browns, talent-wise.
0: Uh, without Nick Chubb, I think they're better at running back. Actually, I think Pacheco's yeah, better than
7: Ford. It's not significant. It's I mean Isaiah Pacheco's a nice player. He's
0: I liked McKinnon he, a lot until he he's out there.
7: Yeah, but injured, he hasn't played. Right. I mean, he's been exactly. hurt. So if we're gonna go down that route, then it's the same thing. I mean, their their receiving core, Rasheed Rice, is. The, I think he's done. It a great job of getting better. Um,
0: I just like the way that they've continually thrown resources at those skilled no, positions. They, but Chris. They,
7: they really haven't though. If you think uh, about they, it, second round picks at
0: wide receiver in three of the last five years for Kansas city, they bring in Edwards Alaire, they signed McKinnon.
7: I, I just think Dude, there, hold, there's hold been on. an effort yo, 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 to yo. keep going. Hold there. on. Hold on. Edwards Alaire has been a bot. He's I, been
0: terrible. I, 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 but Chris, Chris, I'm not saying that these guys are studs. What I'm saying is they continually throw assets at skill positions, which I think is what a team has to do to keep those things fresh and keep them going. You're not going to hit on all of them.
7: Yeah, but I did, then I disagree because okay. they actually built up the defense through the draft. This is what I'm saying is that I'm going to, it's okay to disagree. I mean, you see it one way. I see it another go look at how they built the defense through the draft over the last four years, everybody on that defense, has kind of grown up together, right? Legereus Sneed, Trent McDuffie, Brian Cook, who's now injured, was a second-round pick. George Karloftis was a first-round pick. Nick Bolton, Willie Gay. Um, all of these guys were drafted. So I I understand what you're saying, and we're trying to compare it to the Browns' situation. But once again, to me, the biggest story is the Chiefs' defense, and I'm not going to get off that. Um, I know it's hard to, to say because Mahomes has been – utterly out of and he's the x factor i mean he's such a difference maker there's no way in the world at the end of november any of us thought that the chiefs were going going to end up back playing this week i mean i didn't i don't know about you two very few people nationally were giving them a shot because they were going to have to take their show on the road and we didn't know if they could do that so while i understand what you're saying and, and um, my
0: first point was that The defenses have both been terrific for these teams. So they're kind of the, I think they're kind of the underrated parts of this because the offenses for both teams, for Mahomes and for everything that Shanahan does, that's where you get an awful lot of pub on these teams.
7: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, listen, the Browns haven't done a good enough job, particularly in the wide receiver room. I mean, they just haven't. I thought Elijah Moore was going to be much more productive than he was this year. And I can't figure out quite why he is. Um, I know some people say, oh, he's too small. Well, there's a lot of smallish receivers who play a huge role in the NFL, uh, particularly these days with the, your inability to play physically on defense against them. Um, so, I, you know, I think that the two biggest things that the Browns have to do offensively in the off season with the guys that are here right now, Number one is obviously get Deshaun Watson back close to where he was. That's number one. But number two is figure out why Elijah Moore has not been better in the NFL. And I, because I really, really believe that he has some great ability. I think he's got good hands. I think he runs solid routes. He's very quick and fast, which are two different things. And, I just think that we've got something in front of us that we haven't figured out how to unlock. And that's not necessarily on Strictly the Browns, right? It didn't work out with the Jets either. All
1: right, Chris, um, another storyline going on at the Super Bowl, too. Clark Hunt, who owns the Kansas City Chiefs, who at one time was the owner of the Columbus Crew, did a fantastic job when he was super young as an owner there, was on Good Morning Football this morning, and they talked about Andy Reid being close to retirement. Clark said, I have no sense from Andy that he's ready to retire, but what's your feeling on Andy Reid? And you got to wonder, I, like, if he wins, like, I wonder how much that seeps into the back of his head about saying, hey, maybe I should retire. Your thoughts?
7: Um, so when somebody retires, I mean, Andy's in his mid-60s. I think he's 65 or 66 or whatever. Okay. Um, you know, he's different than the guys that were just let go in New England and Seattle, right? Right. And Belichick and, and Pete Carroll. Those guys are not going to be coaching next year. If for whatever reason, let's just say Andy Reid got let go, he would be the first guy hired. Why? Because, first of all, he's an offensive genius. And number two, he changes with the times. He never stands past. So I think his brain is as fresh as it's ever been. Like, I don't see any slowdown in his game. His ability to adjust is is second to none. Um,
1: it's the nuggies. It's eating those nuggies. That's why
7: it might be. Yeah. In that case, yeah, we're all we're all in, a, in a, He, he actually place. didn't
0: eat the nuggies. He ate the cheeseburger. He wanted the right. nuggies.
7: Yeah, he wanted to try the
0: nuggies. Well, yeah. maybe he got him. Maybe after he got him afterwards. And that's yeah. why he's
1: so smart. Yeah.
7: But the uh you know the thing you hear from his friends is that he doesn't do anything outside of this. Like this has been it. It's been his football and his family, and he he doesn't golf. I don't think he fishes. Uh, you know, does he have another hobby that he likes to do? I don't know. Maybe he's a gamer. Maybe he's playing Call of Duty and we just don't know. Um <laughs> uh, but what else would he do? He's still in, you know, he's in his mid sixties. He wants to keep going. He's I, I I don't know. I just don't see it. But it's possible, I guess. Chris
0: Rose joining us from the NFL network. The uh the way that Brock Purdy has stepped in and done exactly the what, what Kyle Shanahan wants him to do in this offense, Chris, has been fascinating. But I think the most courageous thing that happened there is that San Francisco decided, okay, we gave up everything on to get Trey Lance and that's not gonna work. How often can an NFL team do something like that? I, I can't even recall a team so quickly moving on from somebody they gave up so many assets for. And I well, give that it, credit to the Niners. That's that's a big move.
7: Yeah, well, it's, it's more than that. It's that they made that move, giving up three first-rounders, and here they are. And every year they're in this thing. Like most franchises, that would set them back five sure years. Yep. Because, number one, you're right, they'd be stubborn enough to say, well, no, no, we, we can make this work. We can make it now. It's easier now to get off of a high, highly-picked quarterback than it used to be, right? Prior to there being a slot system in terms of what you're going to get paid, I think Sam Bradford was the last one in 2010 that could hold out, you know, at the beginning of training camp and get a 40 million dollar signing bonus. Or what? Remember those days yep. where your first round? Now, no first rounder sits out because you know exactly how you're going to get slotted, and so it makes it less expensive to move off of a guy after a couple of years if you don't see it working out. Um, but you know there's that story that Jed York, the CEO of the Niners just recently told where Kyle Shanahan walked in after a practice in 2022 and said, "Yeah, our third string guy is our best quarterback." And to come to that realization that the last pick in a draft is your best option on a Super Bowl contending team, that takes some serious onions. Sure does. And we not said that at
1: the top of the show today. Yeah, it's 100%.
7: It's great. It's great. And I think it's a great lesson, not only in football and every other realm of sports, but in business. Like, if something's not working, it's okay to say, you know what, we screwed up. Like, this is our fault. You know, maybe Trey Lance could have worked out in another lifetime where he doesn't break his leg and something freaky happens to him, but it just didn't work out. might work out for Trey Lance somewhere else, but it might not. And the Niners are the first ones to say, it's not going to work out here. Let's move on. Let's not say, hey, listen, no, no, no. We paid three first-round picks to move up to go get him. This has got to work. No, that's stubbornness. And that's why I think this organization is at the top of, you know, just they're right up there with with Kansas City in terms of being the best in the sport.
0: Sunday after the game, Chris Rose, MJD, Michael Robinson on the field having fun. I look forward to watching you, buddy.
7: I appreciate it as always, guys. We'll be cheering for thank you.
1: you. Thank you for giving Cleveland a reason to be a part of the Super Bowl. Got to thank you for well,
7: that. <laughs> I, well, I wasn't the first guy to represent Cleveland in the Super Bowl. Well, maybe. Maybe in some let's, capacity. Let's
1: just
0: go with that. It sounds good.
7: Hey, Travis Kelsey, I from Cleveland. Oh. oh, I've heard that. It's right.
0: Okay, there we go. Thank you. Thanks, bud. Have fun. Bye, all Chris. Right, boys. Chris Rose joining us on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep
1: Dodge Ram Hotline. All right, so there's been all this, like – if you go look at the Guardian schedule, opening day says the time is TBA. TBA, why? We all know that opening day is the same day as the eclipse. Tobias Harris? Yeah. What was his batting average? Tobias Harris is the scoring average. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, so the partial eclipse, and I'm, I'm getting this from WKYC Studios, Channel 3. Um, and the, you know they've talked to Guardians officials, too, about this, too. So... They're saying the game isn't going to start any earlier than five ten. So if you are holding opening day tickets, I mean, there's like I've had people say, "Hey, have you heard when they're starting the game? When they're going to start the game?" So again, this is this is from Channel Three, and it's you know it says partial eclipse begins at one fifty nine, the totality begins at three thirteen, maximum totality three fifteen, it ends at three seventeen, and then the partial eclipse ends at four. Twenty nine. So don't look at the sun, right? Isn't that the biggest thing we always I, say?
0: They end? say don't look at the sun. Isn't it? you'll burn your retinas.
1: Question. Mess up and your and this is ears, the hard part know. because I want to be downtown because of the home opener, but they're also saying that um, they're expecting huh, they're expecting anywhere. Uh, uh, the Associated Press is expecting two hundred thousand visitors. To, dis- to descend on Cleveland for that. With 50,000 expected to be at the Great Lake Science Center, where NASA is setting up one of three national broadcasting hubs, okay. the Great American Eclipse estimates that Ohio will see anywhere from 139,000 to half, more than half a million visitors. Do you want to be downtown that day? Why no? That's the question. <laughs> I know, I don't. I mean, Andy. I could sit here and talk all about eclipse and all that. I, mean, I want to be downtown because of opening day. I don't want to be downtown because if we're talking about, although, what, well, it's great for our economy. Are you kidding? Half a million people here to see the eclipse? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. Are, do we have any t shirts we can sell or something like that? No. There's no. got to be a way we can make some cash. I think somebody already right?
0: trademarked eclipse.
1: Come on, man. We're out. Do we, and do you do the alien things with that, or what do you do? What do can you, think, you be yes?
0: sitting in a ballpark during an eclipse and not look at the sun? Sure. Well, it sounds to me, if they don't want to start the game until
1: 5.15, well, special right, so, our,
6: so our investigative reporters at 92.3, the fan, can yes. confirm that opening day for the Cleveland Guardians will start no earlier than 5.10 p.m. Okay,
1: so now we have this as well. We okay, also good. have this, Okay, yes. I want to make sure. Yes. Okay. I'm sure that Daryl probably had
0: that. Too. So in other words, get the eclipse over and done with so no one burns their retinas.
1: Yeah, are we excited about this? Are we excited about the eclipse here? I am. It's messing with our awesome. baseball a little bit. I think it's cool, too. I think it's
6: outstanding. I mean, you, you don't get things like this very often. You know, uh, you don't get cool eclipses, especially being on the line that the way that they are. I, I think it's going to be awesome.
1: And isn't
0: Cleveland like the spot in the world that's yeah. the perfect
1: spot? That, for does it? everyone I, realize? I, I mean, I hate to burst the bubble, but it's going to rain that day. <laughs> <laughs> it's Cleveland, man. Bring your umbrella. Andy? Yes. It could snow that day. That's true. Well, <laughs> snow might not be bad. Snow you can still kind of – it
6: wouldn't be bad. Yeah. It's, I I hope it is clear because that's my biggest fear that comes with all of this stuff is that, of course, it's Cleveland. Of course, we have clouds. We don't get as much sun as we all want. I think that's like the number one thing we would all change about this area is, please, I wish we had more sun. That's my fear with this is we're going to get a bunch of people coming up here going, okay, we're here to see the eclipse, and oh, no.
1: We wouldn't, be a, wouldn't be a surprise. Would it? Now you've got me wondering average temp on April 8th.
6: Just put an extra sweatshirt on.
1: How much rain do we get on April 8th? I, I'm just wondering, how many of you are coming downtown for that? Because, you know, you know, a lot of people are coming downtown for the ball game. I wonder, if, is this a problem for the Guardians? I think they would embrace it, right? It sounds like they're embracing it, it because they're waiting until 5-10 to start the game. I, I want to see the eclipse bobblehead. Do we have to get, like, those little things that you look through and then you to look through, right? Yeah,
6: you're going to need a pair of glasses. You, well, you Glasses or, the,
1: or, like, those elevator glasses that you look in and there's a little mirror and then it looks up at another little mirror and then you can look out, right? What? Like, you would get those in... <laughs> are you talking uh, about a periscope? What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, but about? they're paper periscopes. They're not, like, real periscopes. For a golf thing? Yeah, golf, you do, they do it for golf all the Both time. Them, it's
0: still the same deal. It's a... A reflection. I don't know. Does it still... diffuse what's going on? Don't you call Howard Cunningham and see if he has those 3D glasses oh, left over? Oh, I've totally from the movie theater. This. By the way, not... did you was see Johnny? that
1: Ron, Ron Howard and Henry Winkler ran into each other in Australia earlier? This year? I'm sure, I'm... it was very cool. I'm sure they just bumped into each other. No, that like they totally just bumped into each other. Okay. Totally bumped in. Henry Winkler was doing a book signing and Ron Howard was shooting a film, and then they just happened to meet backstage at the. At the signing, I think it was a signing, one of the two. I thought you would enjoy that of all of all the butterfly stories ever. That is a tailor made Phelps story. <sighs> Average temperature that day. Oh, it still doesn't give. A Am time. I allowed to talk about what we were going to talk about now? Uh, oh, you because st- you teased it, we had people it, hanging on by it.
0: You guys are still going. I and I'm I'm not being funny or grumpy or anything. Are Are, are, are done? we done with this? Uh, are we done
1: with it for now? Well, I
6: mean, you got to get your glasses because you don't want to go blind. Like that's the last thing that you would be do a bad a thing. So get your glasses for that when you get them all over the place, and I, hopefully the guards do something with it too and have the festivities start with the eclipse and go from there because that'd be pretty cool. Maybe Average temperature,
1: uh, Cleveland, April eighth, fifty-seven degrees. Well, that's lovely. Oh, that's yeah. gonna be awesome. It's not bad. Give me that. That's short the high. Spoiler. That's the high. That's okay. Short the spoiler. low is. Don't give me the low.
6: Let's stick with the
1: highs. Thirty-eight. Last half. It's still moment. not horrible if the sun is out. So the normal average, then, I, I don't know. go do away math. for a little bit. <laughs> They're saying the average is 47 degrees. Okay. Okay, are we good? We, we, we do want to be downtown for baseball, but we don't really want. I, there's going to be some knuckleheads around here in town, don't you think? Nerdy uh, or knuckleheads? GD, what do you think? Maybe both. I, I'm just thinking, do people come down? Is it like St. Patrick's Day on this? Well, I don't know if they'll come downtown. Like Well, they're saying that all these people are going to the um,
6: Science Center. Right. So that'll be some of it will be the Science Center. I think it's just the, the general Northeast Ohio area. So I don't think it's like, hey, come on downtown and stand in the middle of, you know, of East Night and just look straight up for six minutes.
1: They are, though. They are. That's what they want to do, which I don't have any problem with.
0: I let's think it's get everybody cool. liquored up, and then let's have an eclipse. Nobody will look at the sun.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> Nobody's going to look at the sun.
0: Oh,
2: no, not gonna, after five hours downtown. Metro,
1: Clinic, UH, are all going to be packed. We're going to have to bring every ophthalmologist in the world into Cleveland that in day, right? Is that what you're saying? Uh,
0: absolutely. As long as we've derailed the show. Russ sure. is
1: on the road. Hi, Russ.
3: Russ! How, you do, how we doing, guys? Good, man. Uh, I just want to tell you the best way to view an eclipse safely is get yourself a welding helmet and put it over your face. You can look at the whole thing.
1: A weld. Have you done this before, Russ? He's a welder. Yes, I have. No, yes, I'm saying I an have. eclipse, or I, I get the welding part of it, but.
3: It would be the same thing that you would use if you're art welding, so you don't see the arc, you burn your retinas. You just you can stare right at the sun with those eyes.
1: Wow. All right. Russ, I'm smarter today from you. Thank you. I, I'd like that
6: to be something that made you a little smarter today. Thanks, guys. Thank you. We
1: appreciate, appreciate it. Thank you, that, Russ. Russ. Talk to you later. All right. Take care. My Russell. dad had those. My dad was a welder. Disson Russ also welder.
0: sells welding helmets for a living.
1: <laughs> Come on down <laughs> to Russ's welding emporium. We got helmets. <laughs> we got welding equipment. And
0: look, that's we our get, mascot,
1: D Day. We got those little sparkler things that start the fire on the end of the propane. Thank you, Dan. I'm glad Dan got that.
0: Dan got it. Andy, did you get it?
1: I wasn't really listening. I was uh, worried yeah. about my fake commercial. Hey, welcome to our show. Yes. <laughs> Didn't you tease something for the segment? I thought we were Yeah, about I sure did. Why yeah, did you yeah. go south on this? Long thing? time ago. I had to play along with your little joke that you wanted to talk about Long the time Eclipse ago. and I, the Guardians. And...
0: I did. Maybe we'll get to it tomorrow.
1: Oh, it's Maybe a good one. We'll then. Get to it in April. God
0: only knows. I can tell you what the average temperature is going to be. It's going to be fifty-eight and snowy. There you go. It's going to be awesome
1: and rain only in Cleveland. We'll have snow, fifty-eight, and clouds, <laughs> and a million people flooding the streets here. Could it snow when it was fifty-eight degrees? Ooh, more people for
0: that or for the parade? Two-one-six. Oh, the parade over the eclipse. Oh yes, because
6: you, you got you got a pretty wide area of with yeah, a good viewing of the eclipse. Yeah, it's
1: so no question. About maybe that. we can maybe we can finally get the barriers in.
6: I think it's I think it's more <laughs> northeast Ohio than you know? it is just downtown Cleveland.
1: Apparently, we'll talk
0: about something else coming up next on Baskin Films.